from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning and happy Monday, security gang. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief. I hope you had a great, relaxing, enjoyable weekend as much as humanly possible. Um, it, it was a chilly one this weekend. Uh, congratulations to anyone from Kansas City who's tuning in in the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl. Um, a very exciting time for the Midwest and definitely for the folks over in Kansas City. Um, so congratulations to them and uh, a, a battle well fought by the Eagles. But as a, as a, as a diehard Niners fan, I was happy to see Kansas City win. Um, so uh, we'll take that at that. We've got a very, very packed show today. Many data breaches, ransomware attacks, as well as vulnerabilities uh, are on the horizon for many practitioners. Um, for everyone tuning in this morning, however, it, it'd be remiss of me to remind you all that tomorrow is February 14th. And you'd say, James, why do we need to know that? For those who seem to forget, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Um, so um, make sure... You get your significant other a nice little gift, take him out to dinner, spoil him, uh, cook, uh, whatever it is that you want to do for your significant other. Make sure you do that tomorrow. Uh, so let's grab our cups of coffee this morning and coffee cup cheers, y'all. Cyberhubpodcast.com. Find all the latest. Subscribe. Go check out our YouTube channel, cyberhubpodcast.com. We'll start with Pepsi bottling venture suffering a data breach after a malware attack. So Pepsi Bottling Ventures is the largest bottler of Pepsi Cola beverages in the U.S. that's responsible for manufacturing, selling, and distributing most of the popular consumer brands that Pepsi has. They've got 18 facilities between North and South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, and Delaware. In a sample incident report filed with the Montana Attorney General's office, the company explained that the breach occurred on December 23rd. Hence, look at the dates here, folks. But it wasn't until January 10th or 18 days later that it was discovered with remediation to taken even longer. Now I'm going to point this out for a lot of practitioners because I think this is really, really important because a lot of times the business will tell security, hey, you know, you guys are going to, we're going to take our foot off the gas for the holidays, right? And so this, the breach itself occurred day before Christmas and really wasn't detected until people were fully back at work, meaning Chances are in the 18 days between the infection and the discovery, many people were on vacation. The expertise weren't in-house. And this is why, as, as practitioners, we have to kind of look at these times and go, do I find an external partner that can do the 365 monitoring? Maybe my team doesn't, et cetera. I'm not sure what was here. Um, and, and, and the setup at Pepsi, uh, so, so I'm not judging them. I'm not saying this from a first point of knowledge i'm just saying that this is common well we say friday afternoons are the worst or days before holidays and and this just proves that so the uh information that was impacted full name home address financial account information passwords pins and access numbers state and federal government issued id numbers and driver's license numbers id cards social security numbers passport information digital signatures and information related to benefits and employments including health insurance claims and medical history in response to the incident, Pepsi uh, Bottling Venture is adding additional security measures to reset passwords and for informed law enforcement. But you can obviously tell um, that this was a um, significant um, uh, breach for Pepsi. We'll 
talk about these ESXi servers that we've been talking about for the last two weeks. There's about 18,581 servers that are still vulnerable to the two-year vulnerability that has yet to be patched. So remember Log4j, remember many of the other ones. Well, here's another one where it still hasn't been patched yet. And patching isn't easy, but nonetheless, it's a two-year-old patch. The excuses are out the door here. In an additional uh, incident here, Namecheap's email has been hacked to send MetaMask and DHL phishing emails. The domain registrar uh, Namecheap had their email account breached Sunday night, causing a flood of MetaMask and DHL phishing emails that attempted to steal recipients' personal information and cryptocurrency wallets. The phishing campaign, which started around 4.30 p.m. yesterday, originated from SendGrid, the email platform used by Namecheap to send renewal notices and marketing emails. After recipients began complaining on Twitter, Namecheap CEO Richard Kirkendall confirmed that the account was compromised and the disabled email through SendGrid while they investigated the issue. A flood of phishing emails that was sent out by impersonating either DHL or MetaMask. The DHL phishing email pretended to be a bill for a delivery fee required to complete the delivery of a package. While uh, Bleeping Computer did not receive the email, they were told that the embedded link leads to a phishing page attempting to steal the target information. For its sake, um, Namecheap uh, blames upstream systems for the event they're saying we have evidence that the upstream system we use for sending emails is involved in the mailing of unsolicited uh, emails to our clients as a result some unauthorized emails might have been received by you would like to assure you that the systems were not breached your products accounts and personal personal information remain secure so this appears to be more of an it issue um, than anything else here folks so name cheap uh saying it wasn't an issue, but nonetheless, uh, it appears to be similar. OneNote, um, last week I reported on this, that OneNote is now replacing uh, Word and Excel with the macros as a malware delivery system. And now we've seen a significant uptick in using OneNote for malware delivery. It's used for note-taking and task management. For those who don't know, it's now being used as another method to deliver malware, especially since uh, macros have been disabled. And as such, um, your uh, threat actors are looking for a new way to get in. So there's a few remediations here to this one. Uh, make sure that people can't send OneNote through email or allow only OneNote to come from internally validated information and so forth. So um, we'll, we'll this is a new thread vector, and we'll see how Microsoft responds. But also, as practitioners, you either block OneNote, you'll also only maybe make sure that internally you can only share OneNotes through OneDrive or SharePoint, something along those lines. Devs are still being targeted by a W4SP stealer malware in PyPy. So the Python package index stealing passwords, Discord authentication cookies, and cryptocurrency wallets from unsuspecting developers the repository for Python programming hosts about 200,000 packages. These five malicious ones are trying to steal a whole lot of information from developers. The three, the five packages um, were 3M Premo Gen API, AI Solver Gen, High Pixel Coins, HTTPX Request uh, Irv2, and HTTPX Requester. Again, hundreds of downloads on each. So 
not significant, but they're hiding a password stealer. They're going after the developers. And that's why policy here matters. DevSecOps here definitely matters. And you want to make sure you're communicating this to your developer. You're talking to your engineering team, um, et cetera, on using the right PyPy packages, making sure that maybe you have a champion within those teams that's able to validate those as well. The Reddit hack shows the limits of multi-factor authentication. So a tailored spear phishing campaign that successfully convinced a Reddit employee to hand over their credentials and their one-time password um, worked and allowed the attackers to get in. This happened on January 9th when Reddit issued the notice. Um, but now they're saying that, well, because of his, the, the employee training actually being trained on the fact that something was fishy there, he notified security and the event was much, much smaller, uh, much had, had a less of an impact than had the threat actor been able to move laterally within the environment and in game so forth. And he was very, the attacker was also limited to the kind of permissions and, and role and access that that one employee had, uh, which wasn't very, very long. So, and, and, and he didn't have access to everything, but this technique again, MFA fatigue, uh, MFA is just one option, but it's part of a defense in depth strategy. You definitely want to look at it and, and understand it, but because the attackers are now essentially stealing credentials, stealing the two factor, and then automatically log it in, that's something to keep in mind as well. And again, I'm rushing through these because we had a lot of stories this morning. Israel's Technion University suffered a ransomware attack yesterday, which forced the university to proactively block all communication networks. A new group calling itself Darkbit claimed responsibility for the attack. They're kind of unknown. Um, their uh, letter was uh, a bit... Uh, uh, anti-semitic in nature against the technion um and and it's actually very confusing so the, they're saying don't lay off tech workers uh but then also you're an apartheid government so nonetheless um eight, they're demanding 80 bitcoins around 1.8 million dollars as ransom from the university the group said the ransom will go up by 30 percent if it's not received uh within three days um so there's a whole slew of um, um, information going back and forth. The INCD um, um, is is on the case there as well. Darkbit seems to be politically motivated. Um, they're kind of an unknown group. Um, not really sure where they're coming from and how they got into the scene. But nonetheless, uh, the Technion is essentially the MIT for Israel. It's one of the top research schools and one of the top technology schools in the country. So we'll keep you in the loop as to how the story breaks uh, breaks out and who these guys are if their identities uh, become known. Group IB is claiming that it was repeatedly targeted by a threat actor believed to be linked to the Chinese government. Group IB, the Singaporean cybersecurity firm, firm sorry, said it was targeted by an APT Karma Panda. I'm not going to give all the other names. The most recent attack was detected in June of 2022, but analysis revealed that Tonto team also targeted the cybersecurity firm in 2021. The attack aimed at Group IB involved emails carrying malicious attachments being sent to the company's employees. Um, the Tonto team is believed to have been around since at least 2009, targeting military, diplomatic, and infrastructure entities in Asia and Eastern Europe. They've often targeted Russian organizations, including government agencies, Group IB, which is based in Singapore. It's a Russian company at heart, though. Last year, a few months after Russia launched its invasion of the Ukraine, that it would, um, 
Group IB announced that it would separate its Russian and international businesses into distinct companies. An analysis of the incident revealed that the attackers attempted to use the Bissonel Double T backdoor, which appears to be exclusively used by the Tonto Group. The firm checked its logs, found evidence of another email attack likely carried out by the same group one year earlier. The main goal of the Chinese APT's espionage and IP theft undoubtedly will keep probing companies according to Group IB, but just shows you cybersecurity firms are no strangers to nation-state attacks, and it's a good question to ask your security partners, um, you know, um, how are you guys dealing with those as well? That's it for our show this morning. You can catch all the latest at cyberhelppodcast.com. Tomorrow, a brand new episode of CISO Talk uh, will be uh, coming live with my good friend, Ken Foster, the VP of GRC over at um, Fleet Corps. And so a great, great episode. You don't want to miss it. Um, a lot of very good nuggets coming from Ken Foster. So tomorrow, 11 a.m. We'll be back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, live with all the latest. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy this week. Let this Monday power you on. There's nothing more exciting than starting. Have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, team, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.